Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I just wanted to control my own destiny. And then even in my next job, um, it was the same thing. It was that going through the ladder. I just think that the world has got so much opportunity and particularly for women we've got everything that men have got we've got brains uh, we can be tenacious we've got time you know we've got everything but we've also got hair and makeup and looks and our sexuality so you know it used to be that women only had that but actually we've got all we've, we've got, got all of it we've got so much more than men i'm your host natalie drenovac and this is the modern women a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. I'm introducing a series within the modern women called Build, where my intention is to delve, discuss, and understand what it took and what it cost my guests to build their respective success, be it a business, a brand, a product, or a career, to look at our collective framework for the future, in which women share, cultivate, and widen the community spirit between women will lead to unquestionable inspiration. As this segment evolves, I'll be sitting down with a variety of women who have triumphed in their chosen fields of expertise or business areas and dominated and surpassed even their own expectations. To say they have achieved success is certainly an understatement because what doesn't get spoken about enough and what I will be uncovering are all the bumps, backward and sidesteps, learnings and leaps along the way that built not just their careers but them into absolute powerhouses. While there may be similarities, no two success stories are ever the same. And something which I believe is of the utmost importance, the women I'll be inviting on to build are those that are willing to throw the ladder down, to share their knowledge and experience so that other women can also succeed. My hope with Build is to provide a space where stories are shared, successes are explored and failures explained. When you listen, you learn. And my aim is that you take away something that's going to create a positive change or a behavior, remove a block, and perhaps provide that alternative approach that will have a positive impact on yourself and your careers. I'm beginning this series with Josie Bryce-Smith, who is an entrepreneur and global leader in the beauty industry. She founded the highly successful hair care brand O&M in the back room of a Paddington hair salon with just a dream and the belief that hair color would one day become a health choice like food or makeup. And fast forward more than a decade and O&M is a pioneer in natural, luxury and low chemical hair products, which is distributed in 15 countries through salons and high-end retailers such as Net-A-Porter and Sephora. And what Josie shows us is that it takes not only a great idea, but absolute grit, resilience and determination to create a successful company and brand.
Josie, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Natalie. All right, let's kick off with the rapid fires. So, what's your favorite cocktail? Dirty martini. It sounds even better because you have an English accent. <laughs> if you could choose one person to use your hair products, who would it be? Daphne Guinness. I'd love to have her hair colored with O&M. What's the one book that's had the greatest impact on you? Uh, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. What's something you wish you could tell women once and they'd believe forever? You are enough. And lastly, who's a female role model for you and why? My mum, because she persevered under extreme circumstances. I love actually so many of my guests have always said their mother and I always think it's a great reflection of the relationship or the lessons you learned from them. Totally. There's no one better. So before we jump into your booming beauty business, I wanted to know, was it your first idea? Was this your first business idea or had you actually had any other uh, entrepreneurial adventures along the way? Um, well, in actual fact, from when I was a young child, my dad always said that I would be good in my own business. And he died when I was 17 and that was pivotal for me. And I think him saying that, we kind of always honour our father. So... I didn't actually have any idea, but I just always felt I'd be in my own business and I kind of fell into the hairdressing industry and then this opportunity presented itself. We were just really solving a problem. And with actually on that note, with the fact of O&M, could you explain actually why it's different to the hundred plus other brands that are out there? Yes, so it started um, when I was working on the reception of my partner's hair salon and um, I couldn't believe the smell of hair colour and this was 20 years ago when there was one health food store in Sydney and, and you know, organic wasn't really a big thing but I had always followed an organic diet and um, I just thought, wow, people don't know the long-term health effects of breathing hair colour in which seems so toxic to me and putting it on their hair and I actually thought that hair colour would eventually become a health issue and really that was where it started and we started with hair color trying to uh, take the toxic chemicals out of it and it was it's been a very long journey of that do you think that people have actually switched on to the fact that hair color is a health choice yes yeah, so in actual fact in 2016 the uk cancer council came out and said with a warning they said if you color your hair with ppd which is um a a, a dark dye that's in most hair color brown it was the biggest selling color and and that's where ppd is at its strongest and you're 15 percent more likely to get breast cancer if you color your hair with ppd really how did they find those statistics um no the uk cancer council did a, a research into it and came out with that in uh, end of 2016 and then there was a study done in california in 2017 where they cited hairdressers as 50 percent more likely to get bladder cancer so hair colour, you know, definitely is a health choice. And I just always thought if you could colour your hair with less chemicals but get the same result, get your grey covered and get blonde, wouldn't everyone choose that? And I think that that's the way the world's going. Do you find then that though, like a lot of women uh – They'd, like So for myself, I've never really understood that. Actually, as I was researching O&M, I started to think about the things I may put into my hair. Do you find that it's becoming something that a lot of people are tapping into? Definitely. I mean, our business since 2016 has grown 50% each year. Like, If anything, we've had 
supply and demand issues where we haven't been able to supply as much as uh, we could potentially sell. And it's purely the consumer is driving the hairdresser. Like this is the way the world is going. Uh, you know, one in two men will uh, get cancer, one in three women. People are looking at prevention rather than cure. Um, and wellness, the whole wellness movement is taking over the world. I mean, you know, if everything from global warming. I mean, it's just we're all becoming much more conscious about, about what we're doing. And I think we're in a discovery phase where people are connecting with brands. It's not necessarily about who's the biggest. It's, it's you know, what's the philosophy of the brand? What's behind it? And so for that reason, yeah, we're seeing a massive growth of our business. Yeah, it's actually super exciting. It is, yeah. I was so keen to understand how you turn this idea and observation into a business because when I was um, looking you up I actually discovered that you're not a hairdresser which for me I was like oh I thought that you would be a hairdresser you'd observe this thing and then all of a sudden you'd create the product but you've never cut someone's hair have you? No I've never done any hair so I managed the salon for eight years and um, I feel that hairdressers are my tribe yeah. uh, I love them they're some of the most creative people so fun um, and I just really cared about them and, and I'm very good at researching and I was very interested and I worked a lot with different contract manufacturers and, and, uh, found a lot of information online. Um, and also just from being there and observing how they do it and, and what happens and how long it takes and the different results I just learned by default, but I still work with a team of hairdressers now. So with all the product testing, everything's done in salons, on real people. And and so, yeah, I, I still get to do that. So what were those initial steps that you found? Or did you just kind of utilize the existing relationships you had in the hair world? No, we actually found a product that we used in London. So I met my partner who then became my husband, um, who's now my ex-husband. Um, I actually met him in a hair salon in Soho. And he, I was going there because they had this ammonia-free hair colour. And he was working there because he had very bad contact dermatitis, couldn't use high chemical products. So when we came back to Australia and he started to use um, regular uh, low ammonia hair colour, it sent his skin into a frenzy. So we found this very small manufacturer in Ireland who was making this ammonia-free hair colour. And that was what we initially brought. And we kept that to ourselves in our own salon for eight years. And we very quickly became a beauty editor's secret. We marketed ourselves as an organic salon. And first, the beauty editor of Vogue came in. I used to ring her every single day. And she would say, no, no, I've got my own hairdresser. And I would say, oh, I've got this hair color and the best hairdressers. And she would say, are you going to ring me every single day? And I would say, actually, yes, I am. <laughs> And she eventually came in and did this little write-up in Vogue about seaweed lightener, which was a, a, a product that we had at the time. And from there, it just snowballed. So eventually, after eight years, we realized that we wanted our own brand. And that was the turning point when we changed the name and we changed the relationship with them to become a contract manufacturer. It's so interesting because in everything I, as I was saying to you when I was researching, I did not know all of these elements of your story. And then the more I uncover and the more that we were speaking earlier, um, I'd love if you could actually touch on how you were saying you initially bankrolled this because I think that a lot of women, especially when they have a new idea like this, they would see finance as a gatekeeper. Totally. So 
I always think, you know, people think that entrepreneurs are like massively high risk and 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 this is so untrue because most entrepreneurs start small and prove their model. So I still worked on the reception. My ex-husband still cut hair and we put in 120,000 um, and actually one of the colorists in the salon at the beginning as well Wayne who was our hairdresser he put in 40,000 so we put 40,000 in each and we could all afford to lose that so we didn't risk what we couldn't lose and and um, and that was how we started and then we we all worked for nothing as well you've got to assume in the beginning that you're going to work for nothing but it was a side gig and I know a lot of other entrepreneurs who started as a side gig. But with that, did you kind of think, uh, what would you have done if you if it hadn't have worked out? Or did you kind of have that feeling in your gut where you're like, this is going to be big. Something is going to make sense here. Yeah, I never doubted that it would work out. I always thought that it would turn into something. I don't think I ever realized how big it could go. But I, I failure was never an option. Um, yeah, so maybe that's the crazy that you need. But do, is that from um, having done a lot of personal work along the way to develop that inner strength? Um, yes, I think uh, I've done a lot of sort of self-development work, probably more so in the last five years since I got divorced. Um, <laughs> it's always the greatest instigator. <laughs> yeah, when you have a massive life-changing moment like that. But I think that my self-worth was very much tied up into – honoring what my dad said that I would be good in a business and I think it's I always look at why and there's Simon Sinek who I watch a lot of um, you know his TED talks and it's always about why so even when I'm uh, employing somebody I always like to understand why but then it, my business mentor says to me it's always the third why so why do you do that oh hair color is a health choice so why did you do that Okay, because my dad was said I was going to be good in business. So why, you know, because he died and I, you know, so I don't think that failure was ever an option for me. So was that with your third why? Yeah, so my third why was that he died and I wanted to live the life that he didn't have and I wanted to get the success that I think he could have had because he was a very clever man. But his career, he got cancer and he had it for 10 years and his career kind of plateaued because obviously... They knew that he was sick. Yeah, it's that makes sense now because your bio line on your Instagram actually says, I'll never die wandering. Yeah, so I like to live every day like it's my last. Um, and I've always been like that. What do you think that gives in terms of an edge? Because yeah. I think people throw that line around. But what do you like? What element does it give you to really apply it into your daily life? Yeah, I was actually watching a documentary on the plane about Elon Musk and they they were saying that most entrepreneurs have had a significant event in their childhood or they've had a significantly bad childhood or something. Um, but I think that when you very early on, and my business mentor, he actually broke his neck in a, um, a rugby accident when he was 12 and he only something like one in 200 people walk with what he had had. Wow. And he, you know, it, it, when you realise the value of life very early on. So for me, seeing my dad's life being cut short at 45, I thought, whoa, I do not have time to waste here. And also, I don't have anything to whinge about because it's it, I'm alive and, and 
opportunities is everywhere and so I very much only see the positive and then when a negative comes along I feel the universe is sending me a message that either I need to re-strategize or it's giving me a lesson um but I just observe it and then move out of the way of it but keep my eye on where I'm going I love the way that you frame that up for yourself. But it's true. Like if you don't have that um, direction when something comes along, you can be so easily pushed off track. You can be derailed. So I've I've learned that massively and I've been through lots of derailings yeah. and feeling sorry for myself. And And you were sharing something earlier about what you do when you have negative feedback thrown at you. Yeah, so I I don't... I don't take it on. I've got sort of a force field around me, but I'll observe it and see if there's something I've not to learn. But yeah, I basically just move to the side and then let it go past me. So somebody else very wise once said to me, you know, you're the driver of a bus. Your front wheel is sales and marketing. Your next wheel is logistics and finance. Your back wheel is the product. When you've got a flat tire, don't look down at the wheel, look where you're going. So I apply the same with when somebody fires at me, which they do all the time. I just swerve it and then keep my eyes on where I'm going. Do you find a lot of the negative criticism that you may get is that your product isn't as good as something with chemicals? Um, No, it's not around that. It's... um, Um, we did definitely go through phases of that when you're trying to do something that nobody else has done um, we were taking a lot of chemicals out of hair color but we wanted gray covered and blonde and and along the way um, there were a lot of things that went wrong with the product I mean I've we would need wine for me to tell you all the things that have gone wrong but I've had exploding tubes and you know, unstable products and lots of things. Um, But I just, I always believed that it was going to, you know, that that we were going to get there. So when I would get criticised for choosing the wrong manufacturer or, you know, um, I would get customers returning product or that kind of thing, I would always be upfront about what was happening. So I would never lie. Um... But I wouldn't take it on board that I it was something wrong with me. Yeah, okay. You know, and that's ho- the whole thing about knowing that you're enough. It's okay to make a mistake, right? Yeah. And it's okay to do something wrong, but you just learn from that and move on. Uh, and I think that that's the biggest thing that is the difference between people who are successful and who are not. I mean, I'm sure Richard Branson's got a litany of companies that have folded and things that have gone wrong. But you only look at the one that succeeded. Yeah, you yeah. Just, yeah that's right. Because how long has O&M been in the game for now? So it's been 10 years. It's yeah. actually 20 years since I started on the reception. But since we made the hair care line, which is kind of, we were the first people with a sulfate and paraben free shampoo. And, and I realised that that was the good-looking front end for the colour. So that was 10 years ago. See, that's what I mean. That's perseverance and resilience. So many people could have folded folded up after three years of not succeeding. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, even three years ago, the business was practically trading insolvent. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's really been in the last three years that it's absolutely exploded. Um, Is it nice to kind of sit back and look and go, wow, I did it and I'm getting the rewards for the hard work I put in? Like, do, yeah. you, do you notice the change in how you're feeling? Yeah, I do now. I've actually managed to be able to get some very negative people out of my life because of it, because there were people even within the business that didn't understand the vision fully or didn't understand me and 
and didn't want to solve the problem but wanted to criticize so so in the last three years I've been able to, to flick off a lot of that old stuff and I think that I've really changed my beliefs a lot as well. I've I've done I've done quite a lot of Tony Robbins. <laughs> and he's quite cheesy American, but if you come if you go back to it, it's really all about your beliefs. We're all fulfilling a belief. Yeah. I've done a lot of Tony Robbins and a lot of personal development. I think it I think if you if you come with an open mind, you can take so much away. Whereas if you come looking to criticize what he's doing, you'll always find the gaps and the holes. Totally. And, you know, if you look at most people, most people live, they they pay what they have to. So they have to pay their rent, their school fees, the food. So most people have just as much as they need. Mm. But that's because they believe they've got to pay that. But what about if they believe they had to have excess and that life was easier? Like the universe is just responding to what we believe. It's sending evidence. If we think life is hard then the universe is going to send that. And I think for a while I thought the product is screwed. I'm never going to be able to get it right. And then I decided to change my beliefs and then the universe started sending me evidence of something else. Yeah. I always think you can look as um, life and you can, you can see solutions or you can see problems. And you can ask yourself a better question, which is something I took from Tony Robbins. If I'm getting a dud answer, I'm not asking a good enough question. Yeah, that's right. And And – Maybe the problem is just the universe telling you to move in a different direction. Mm. So going back to that and the fact that you have persevered for so long on a product, on a company, when it comes to your business ethos and your mission, with removing toxins from people's lives, why do you find that so important and powerful? Because what's the harm in, in what we are absorbing within our hair care? Well, I I think it probably again goes back to my dad having cancer. It's I just believe that so many things that we're doing are uh, toxic and that's what's causing people to get sick. And so hair colour is something that women are doing like every two weeks and, and you know, it's something like 78% of women globally colour their hair. So that was just a small area of the world that I could focus on I felt passionate about. But if you sort of peel back the why again, it is just I'm terrified of dying, right? And 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 maybe not actually the act of time, but terrified of dying because I did something that maybe I could have made a better choice. And I still have fun and, and do things, but I generally live a pretty healthy lifestyle. And, you know, even down to now I... I subscribe to Young Living, which is a essential oil company, which is actually a one and a half billion dollar company now. And it's and I I make mouthwash and cleaning products out of essential oils and um, you know, lots of other things. I use them as medication for my children and I just don't think we understand that we are pumping so many chemicals into us and I still want my hair to be blonde, but if I can do it with less chemicals, why yeah. wouldn't I? Well, because I think the th- what I've seen happen is at the moment um, a great marketer slaps on the word natural, it can be confused with also always being correct. You know, for example, if you look at a hospital and how when you go into a hospital, the bleaching products that they need to use do need to be of a certain grade to not pass on germs and all of those other aspects. Whereas when it comes to something like hair care, I find that so often we can be told well, something we're doing is wrong, but what will ever make us make that change? Do you know, like cancer, so many people get cancer and so many people get cancer for such a different variety of reasons that it's like, which one do you kind of stop and go, cool, I won't do this and I won't do that and still be living along the way? 
Yeah, well, I think um, it, people just need to do what's within their comfort zone. Mm. I think also there's other catalysts like pregnancy. We used to get a lot of pregnant women and then people with scout se- sensitivities. Um, and so somebody might know somebody or, you know, it's just there's always catalysts all, all along the way that make us change. But I even see it now in younger people are discovering O&M and it, it's... I think that as parents, we're teaching our children to make better choices. And even in schools, my daughter has health week. And and, and I just think that technology has moved on so much. And, you know, sulfate-free shampoos foam now. And, and I agree with you 100% on the word natural. And actually, O&M used to be called organic and mineral. Mm. And people would say to me, oh, how organic is it? And I would say, oh, it's not organic. Hair colour is a chemical reaction. I mean, you're lifting colour when you when you're going blonde. You're lifting colour out of your hair, and when and, and when you're covering grey, you're opening the cuticle and letting colour in. I said, oh, it's not organic, but it's got no ammonia, it's got no fumes, no smell, it's got no PPD, no resorcinol. So I changed the name to Original and Mineral because we were the original pioneers. But I was sick of this organic question. And then, even with the hair care, we don't make organic claims. We talk about a five free formula, we're actually free of about 30 things, but five are the ones that the consumer understands and we're up to 98% naturally derived. But we don't even really talk about that because I believe that the future is more about, it's about clean. So I own the trademark for clean colour technology. And um, in actual fact, when I saw Sephora 10 years ago now, they said to me, you know, I said, I've got an Australian brand it's got Australian native ingredients it's sulfate and paraben free and the packaging looks like luxury and they were like looked at me like I was an alien and they said you know we love your packaging we think you're a bit ahead of your time and I said okay um and I saw them three years ago and they said oh Josie you're Peter approved oh and it's Peter approved it's you know, 98% natural, blah, blah, blah. And they said, you tick every box. And I was laughing. I said, oh, okay. And they said, how do you think we should position the natural section in Sephora? And I said, well, I I wouldn't call it naturals. I would call it clean. And here's the reasons why. So they ended up calling the whole section clean. There's only, so it's, um, there's only two hair care brands in there in the US and O&M's one of them because the criteria is so strict. And they told me it's their fastest growing section in Sephora now. Really? Yeah. That's so exciting. I also love how um, just your, you have like a bit that London swagger in your answers. You know, like people say things and you're like, you're a moron. Like that's what you're <laughs> thinking. And you're just like, what's going on in your mind? <laughs> so something I want to make clear because uh, I've looked up O&M and if you, if you compare it to, let's say, another brand. Now, a lot of people will always go for the cheaper and I think that's that's in life that happens. We all have certain restrictions. But why would you say that it's better to invest in something that might be a little more expensive if you look at also, I think, quality? I'm a quality versus quantity kind of person. But when you look at the price aspect, how can you, we help women justify perhaps spending that little bit extra for their health benefits? Definitely. I mean, I just think, um, you know, O&M is kind of in a, a natural luxury market. So... It's not the most expensive hair care brand uh, and it's not the cheapest. It's somewhere in the mid-level of luxury. And, you know, obviously they're more expensive to make. 
um, when you're using essential oils and native Australian ingredients. Um, but I, when you think about it, you know, the shampoo is, uh, I think it's, it's $35, it's 350 ml. It will last you a couple of months. I mean, how often you shampoo your hair? You only need a very small amount. They're very concentrated. I just think anything that's going on your scalp is going into your skin. Your your skin is your biggest orifice and you're using it daily or every second day. Um, and, and, once, and you think of it almost like skincare. It's like skincare for the hair. Um, you just got to be very careful. I, I just, I've always thought it was an investment really yes I, I think that and I think like you said there's always a catalyst for the reason why someone always makes a new decision yeah and Orinem was born in a hair salon so hair hair salons we've got 2,500 hair salons around the world that are using O&M and hairdressers are recommending it so it, it's a, it's at a professional sort of level as opposed to a supermarket yeah um, how do you combat the bigger companies or do you kind of just focus on what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's. I I actually think that the bigger companies are uh, we're we're upsetting their businesses, to be honest. Um, and I I just think that we're in a discovery phase. The internet and social media has made people be able to connect with brands. It's made them so much more accessible. And and we're just also much more educated about where we're spending our money. And you know, even just purely the way that we shop, with online being so much. Um, bigger, uh, it's 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 just completely different. We're just discovering. So, the thing with the major companies is that they have obviously have huge amounts of budgets, do a lot of amounts of research, but they they're not nimble. So we are so fast to market, and even now, I'm working on our next generation of hair color that will come out in 2021. That will be a world's first. And I can tell you, none of the major companies will have even thought of it. And the combination that we're doing, it's just it's it's almost about who's the fastest everything's changing so fast that the major companies that it's all the bureaucracy it's too slow i was listening to an interview with tamara mellon who is actually yes. the brains behind jimmy choo but I know. no I've one read re- her book yeah. it's unreal because you think jimmy choo and you're like that guy with the great shoes but it was actually her, all of her designs but she speaks about how when it comes to the fashion industry it's changed in regards to how Women don't want to purchase something for the like that's four months ahead of it. They want what do I want to wear this weekend? Perhaps and they want to be able to buy it, purchase it, have it in their closet by Friday, as opposed to like let me forecast so far out. We want everything instantaneously happening, happening, happening. Yeah, it's so true. And um, you know, you, yeah, you just see so many brands that are dropping new styles like so quickly. I mean, and I also think that part of the whole health wellness is the whole kind of recycling movement as well but even with clothes like I hire sometimes as well because you know you can spend a huge amount of money on clothes that you have to wear to an event um so I hire them but also I sell stuff on eBay so I have an eBay store um where I can buy a dress and then I sell it the next day it, I just think we're in a different world where we maybe are more discerning about what we're buying, but we maybe don't want as so much stuff as we used to. Yeah, I don't like having too much, too many things. I went on a gap year and I got back and I had so many things in my room and I just felt overwhelmed. And ever since then, I've always been like, what essentials do we need? How do we have maintain that minimalism? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm a minimalist and my boyfriend would laugh his head off if you could hear me even talking about it, but I'm definitely into you know, on selling or giving away. I don't keep stuff around for, 
years and years anymore. Yeah. Okay, so in regards to success and failures, we often do hear of success stories like yours and how hard it was and the sacrifices that you made, but never exactly about, and being very blunt, the fuck-ups, the mistakes, the bloopers, the stupid moves um, that can either make or break a business. Um, And I always find that they are sometimes the biggest learnings. So being blunt, what was perhaps your biggest fuck-up to date and how did you resolve and get back on the horse? Um, Yeah, definitely. My biggest mistake was... Um, I think it was 2012, I moved the manufacturing of the hair colour from this little factory in Ireland to a big factory in America who had made a multi-million dollar naturally derived hair care colour that sold for a huge amount of money and they, they had just lost that contract manufacturing gig and they said... I said, I want to take out PPD and Resource Null. And they said to me, yep, we can do it. And I thought, because they'd made this big brand. And we had four years of manufacturing problems. And the, I'll just tell you one of them. But they, um, the when you have hair colour, it's in a metal tube that gets folded over. So there's yep. glue in that. So I did this big tour of America where I was seeing distributors and we were getting ready to, you know, really take the product big. And I was getting all these weird phone calls from Australia saying, "Mm, this colour went on and it went pink instead of brown. Oh, my God. And this one's grey hair didn't get coloured. And I said to the manufacturer who was with me on the tour, I said, what's going on? They were like, they sort of denied for a while. And then they said to me uh, at the end of the tour, there's a problem with the glue at the end of the tube. Um, It's not tight enough and air's getting in. I said, okay, just give me the, the layman's version. And they said... The 200,000 units you got in your warehouse are like a ticking time bomb. They're all going to go off. Oh, my God. Could you imagine going for blonde and your hair comes out pink? Pink. And so we were what's called a single-line distributor, meaning we only had that product. So we had, say, 500 hair salons here using O&M. And and we basically – I called them all and said, this is the problem. This is what you need to look for. You see anything strange, you throw it in the bin, we'll replace it. But it all started going off. No one would pay their bill. My accountant walked out. My entire sales team walked out apart from one person. We dropped a million dollars of sales in two months. Um, and the company really went under. But we we fixed the product, FedExed it in, and we were FedExing every week and we were swapping colour out. I mean, it was, it was insane. But we recovered the business within nine months. Yeah, well, I was going to say in regards to branding and reputation, that would have been really yeah definitely damaged the brand I mean there's still probably in salons in Australia that know know about it because but because we were so upfront about it and we didn't deny it it was the way we handled it and then we overcompensated and actually even some of those customers when we heard that we'd got the new color they came back oh really you know it's never really about the problem it's about the solution it's about being honest you know and and we've had some diehard fans that have, have stayed through thick and thin. Yeah, wow. I could only imagine how so many people would be trying to point the finger on that one. Yeah, so it's just – so I think the biggest thing that I learned from that is that your supplier is absolutely key and quality of product. And, and so I eventually moved the colour and now, ever since then, everything's been amazing. Wow. That's, I feel like you would wake up and be like, holy shit, what am oh, I no, going to do? I was do? having panic attacks going into the warehouse. You know, I was like, 
oh my God, my PA at the time, she worked for me for five years and she ended up leaving. Not over that, she had children. But I thought, well, she probably needed a break from me. She had a four-year break and then I put a... Uh, an ad on in, on Facebook for a customer service person and she messaged me saying, can I have one of those jobs? And I was so surprised that she would come back after the trauma. <laughs> You're like, yes, please, here's yeah. your spot. Wow. Okay, so I wanted to move on to also just women in leadership. Obviously, you have created an enormous company. Um, and in corporate structures, we do sometimes see a glass ceiling. Not sometimes, we tend to see a glass ceiling for women who are climbing up that ladder. Um, it's often a big barrier to women succeeding and it's becoming more of a societal issue than an individual one. However, there are differences when you're developing your own business um, as you have certain things in control and how you structure your company. Have you made any decisions with gender inequalities in mind um, in regards to how you employ, promote, or consider employees in general? Um, I haven't, I don't think that I've made any really considered decisions on that front. I would say though, every successful woman has a, a gang of women behind her who have got her back. Mm. And that ranges from my mother to my best friend of 25 years, um, to just other women, Diana, who her and I worked in the kitchen together at my house, and Alex, who's bit of a battery interlude there, but you were referring to the incredible group of women that you have behind you that have helped you. Yeah, so, yeah, they've been amazing. And I think in terms of sort of helping women, I have been very flexible, and I am with the men as well that work at O&M, about children and I've got a couple of people that work flexible hours and work from home um, and they've been with the business a long time. And then, but even with anyone, you know, I've got a, my financial controller is a single father. So, um, and actually my general manager. So I'm sort of flexible and I understand about that. Um, I, I, I do very much work with uh, people, if people want to develop and do more, then I would love to do that, you know, and women in particular. And I, I think it is a time where women can, you know, be at the forefront. Why not? In hair care, because it's something I actually don't know, is it more men or women who are making the bigger decisions at the top of the chain? Oh my God, it's all men. And I can tell you when we were in, when I was visiting all these distributors in America, it's all men in suits and they're all older. Mm. And they would just look at me and they would go, like I was an alien, and they would go, um, Josie, we love your product. We think you're a bit ahead of your time. Who owns the company? Ooh. And... Um, so Andrew, who's now my business mentor, um, he we actually met on a dating app, which is quite funny. And we very quickly realized that we weren't for dating, but he's what I call a serial entrepreneur. He's done it a few times. And he said to me, oh, you seem to be having a few issues here. Would you like me to help you a bit? So that was two and a half years ago. And the first thing that he did is he came to a meeting with me uh, with my um, US distributor and he said to me um, what do you need and I said I just need a dick <laughs> and he was like okay I said I'm not being rude I just need you to sit there and say something about the finances and the structure of the company and um, and how it's funded and he said okay so he did that and we got the contract signed and he goes wow it's so unfair because it's all you and you did the contract and you did it all and I said yeah but we won't worry about that can you just come again oh wow and so I think you know what we could all get really upset that that men have this perception about women and women in business but we just we just play the game I mean it's still yeah. my business and he's helped me a lot and and those barriers are being broken down now particularly that 
um, you know, O&M's becoming bigger, but definitely at the beginning, you know, but you're not going to change that entirely. So just play the game, just be smarter than them. <laughs> um, I was so interested to know in what you find as the upside of owning your own business in regards to being a woman. Um, I, I think that anyone that owns their own business really wants to control their own destiny. And I think yeah. that that comes back to, again, the childhood and, you know, the significant incident and, and being able to want to control that. And I think, um, as you say, in corporate, there's a glass ceiling. So my first job, I was a PA in London in an advertising agency. And I used to work till midnight doing presentations for my boss. And, um, he he was never going to promote me because I was so good at my job. He wanted me He there. wanted you there to help so him. It, it, and I was so frustrating. I was like, there's a graduate trainee program and and and, and I just wanted to control my own destiny. Mm. And then even in my next job, um, it was the same thing. It was that going through the ladder. I just think that the world has got so much opportunity. And particularly for women, we've got everything that men have got. We've got brains. Uh, we can be tenacious, we've got time, you know, we've got everything, but we've also got hair and makeup and looks and our sexuality. So, you know, it used to be that women only had that, but actually we've got all, we've, we've, got, got, all of it. we've got so much more than men. So, we can get noticed. Yeah. So that's actually something I'm interested to know. Do you think, cause I find, so I have a few friends and some will say, I don't like to use my sexuality or my looks or put makeup on. Cause I don't want to have to have, I don't want to have to do those things to achieve. Whereas I've kind of always been like, if it's something that helps us considering all the other things that we have to go through, is it not something you should utilize? And I don't mean sleeping your way to the top. I just mean in terms of the other aspects. Definitely not. I've never made a romantic decision to do with money. I mean, I'm, I married a hairdresser. We were living above a hair salon, right? And, and I've never lived my life like that. Um, And I have had lots of opportunities where very wealthy men would have wanted me to do that but I've never had and um I um but I do believe like there have been some times where I've had to go to events and do things when I have been in like the worst financial situation and I would put on a dress and put on hair and makeup and I think it's absolutely part of our power I mean we don't I don't want to look um provocative or wear anything that's too low or too short or but absolutely you can I can walk into a room and people notice that I'm there and then when I start talking they realize that I've got something to say as well I mean why not have the double whammy I mean I'm kissing the ground I've got both and I think god cover the gray get the makeup on don't do yourself an injustice I'm just trying to be the best version of myself and why would anyone not want to do that yeah it's such a it's such a refreshing point of view. Um, I wasn't going to ask this, but I'm so interested to know: Is it fucking cool having such a successful company? It is, but you know, it's like sometimes when you're in it, you still you you you're your own worst critic, right? So yeah. there is still so much to do. I actually believe that I'm at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Um. And um. And there's so many things that I can do better. Um. But I suppose it is cool to feel, wow, one, that that little thing that I started and the reception and and the hair salon and the garage and, you know, has turned into something really big and that we funded it all ourselves as well. Um, And, yeah, it is. like, And actually one of the big things that I learned from 
um, my shrink that I go to once a week and we laugh. Um, and I, uh, w- one of the big things that I learned from her was you've got to be your own best friend, right? And, and if you had a friend who constantly criticized you and said that, oh, you did that wrong and, oh, you look a bit fat today and, <laughs> oh, you know, you wouldn't be friends with them anymore. And yet we constantly do that. So I'm very good at going, well done, Josie, well done, Josie, and giving myself a pass on the back. So, yeah, I have, you know, particularly in the last few years with things going really well, I do do the well done, Josie. Yeah. And I have a massive ego, but I think ego and self-worth are something different. Yeah. And, yeah, just you've got to be your own best friend. So I actually know that no matter what happens, the rest of my life is going to be incredible because I'm going to spend it with me. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great way to look at that. Yeah. It's so funny. I think ego, um, I don't think ego is a bad thing. I think there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. Yeah. That's what I think is the nuance of when people are like, yeah. they have a big ego. And it's like, no, you have to be your own biggest cheerleader when you're going through fucking hell. Totally. Wow. So um, just in terms of like now with everything that you are doing and achieving, how do you objectively measure for yourself that sense of fulfillment? Um, so... I mean, I think it's about space. I think now that um, O&M's more successful, you know, I've got a really great team, you start to get better people. So I think my, Andrew, my business mentor always says to me, it's about who you hang around the hoop with. So if you want to score a goal, you've got to hang around with other people who want to score goals as well. So I've attracted a lot of like-minded, very positive people into the business and also um, as my friends and I think that I I measure that and I also measure about this it's about the space and time so I probably got a bit more space and time to enjoy myself spend it with my children spend it with my partner than maybe I did before because I think that actually time is our biggest commodity and and so just have a little bit of time to think about something rather than constantly being in an eye of a storm so I would say that that's my my biggest measure I love that. And I'm sure you get to spend such incredible moments with your children now too, having that space for yourself. Yeah, and I feel bad that I, you know, left them for so long and travelled around the world and and now I'm able to take them with me a bit. Um, uh, Something when it comes to motherhood and having a business, do you ever feel that sense of guilt or do you – like so I ask that question being that I find that when fathers have a great thriving business, no one's ever like, oh, do you – you should feel bad because, you know, you're not spending enough time with your children. Whereas – do you either have that or also you love what you're doing so much that you're like, oh, I don't feel guilty that I'm not hanging out with my kids? Yeah, I mean, there's that constant push-pull of mother's guilt. And even though it should be equal, um, we still, we are just going to feel more guilty. Um, But I think that, you know, it's about quality over quantity it's about being present it's about not being on the phone and working and taking calls when I'm at home and I I worked around them for many years and now I've got better boundaries with that so now I feel I've got better engagement with them and and I think I'm setting a good example for them as well Um, It's funny, actually, I recently met a a very lovely lady called Reagan, who actually has an Australian brand called Arden and A, which is a baby wrap brand. And she actually sold the business for 100 million. And she then had a whole private equity story where she ended up 
being fired by the company and it's a really interesting story but she wrote a book and in the book I listened to the audible she goes let's be honest we're all gonna fuck up our children like our parents did to us it's just the degree that we're gonna fuck them up so if we can minimize that you know so if we can be present and have quality time with them and and you know try and teach them and support them then that's all that we can do i literally laugh because i in an episode that was just released i say that that there's such this moment where i'm like oh do i want children do i not i know inevitably you end up fucking them up in some way yeah but it's part of the fucking up that is makes you who you are if we all look at ourselves yeah but you know the thing is is that so much i believe about life is about letting go right it's about looking back and knowing what your stuff is and knowing how that stuff because our brain is like a computer and we put in programs so when my dad died at 17 I put in a program and then I put in other programs and we can rewrite that program we are powerful we put that program in we can change it but we've got to be we've got to own our shit and we've got to know what it is and only then can you kind of let it go so, so many things have happened and I've got a degree in letting it go. <laughs> yeah. And what about yourself? Do you have any personal goals that you're kind of going, look, I really would love to achieve X? Um, I think that for me, my life is so tied up into O&M, I think. But I, I think that is a lot of part of my personal goals. But really spending more time with my children and my friends and my family and being more in the moment. So I have a a morning routine that I do that I learned from my shrink who I go to. And um, she actually said to me that she had a client who was worth nine billion and it was all about the morning routine. And it's not, it's not so much about the money, but it's just, it's, it's being present, having the space. So what I do is I wake up and I do this breathing routine that she taught me, which is you breathe in for six through your nose, hold it for six, and then you breathe out as slowly as you can. And what it does, it calms you down. And then I do tapping, which is emotional freedom technique. So I do tapping, six rounds of tapping. Then I meditate for 10 minutes and then I exercise. So I, my biggest goal is to have more space, spend more time with my children, uh, have better quality relationships with my partner and, and, you know, just enjoy life more. Because you can be so in it and you think you're saving lives and, you know, it's like <laughs> life or death, but it's not. You've got to enjoy the journey. I love that. As you were saying that I was doing the breathing, I was like, okay, six breaths in, six breaths out. Yeah. Um, I've loved this epic- I've loved this conversation and I've absolutely loved how you can see how ingrained O&M is into you and your life, but it's always just kind of uh, you utilize it as an example through another lesson that you learn, which I think is really beautiful. Thank you. So my last question that I love to uh, share with everyone, you're standing in front of a room of 10,000 women and you're able to offer one piece of advice. What would you say? Um, you just got to back yourself. Be your own best friend and back yourself. Like really, it's you, – you just – got to believe in yourself it really all comes down to what you believe and we are our own biggest critic and yeah you're going to do stuff wrong but if you believe in yourself and back yourself and have a go I'm really just a person that had a go 
And I didn't overanalyze it. I didn't get out a lot of spreadsheets. And probably if I had, it would have, wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. But honestly, just back yourself and had a go. And that's actually what Andrew, my business mentor, when we first met, he said to me, and he said, do you want me to help you? I showed him my balance sheet and my, um, my P&L. And he said to me, uh, oh, yeah, you do seem to be in a spot of bother here. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, what do you think is going to happen to this business? And I think I was losing 300000 a year and it was turning over maybe three or four million. And, and, and he goes, mm, got some trouble. And I said, um, it's a $100 million business. And he said to me, you really believe that, don't you? And I said, yeah, I've just got a problem with my supply chain, but I'm fixing that. So he goes, I've never seen anyone who's got as much chutzpah as you who just backs themselves blindly. So that would be my advice is just blindly back yourself. Don't listen to what anyone else says apart from to learn from them. But if somebody tells you're not good enough, back yourself and move on. Keep going. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much, Josie. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible. And all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.